Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sounds of your greeting reached my ears, the infants in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him. In every generation, he has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceits. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Oh, praise God. Before we dive into these amazing readings, just um, a housekeeping. Uh, keep our family, our parish family in your prayers. A lot of us are knocked out through sicknesses, by the way. A lot of us, that's why a lot of our regulars aren't here. So a lot of us are, are suffering from different illnesses. So keep everybody in your prayers. I don't want to get too detailed, of course, for privacy's sake. But always keep everybody in prayer huh? in a very particular way. A lot of us are sick, not feeling well. And then secondly, thank you for all that you've been giving to the parish, especially for fire relief since, uh, since it all, as many of you know, the parish in Portola is an evacuation center. And so a lot of you have been calling, a lot of funds, cupcakes have been coming up, coming out of nowhere, you know, different little, just little, little things like that. And so, uh, so next weekend, just to kind of give you a heads up, the whole diocese is doing a special collection. Uh, so for fi our fire relief. And so we'll do a special collection. And so, and so essentially what the fund will do, there'll be two ways. So make sure you grab a bulletin because there's instructions in there. So if you want to help contribute to the fire relief fund, uh, it will be the second collection. And you can designate it if you want your money to, to primarily stay here or to be part of the wider accounts for the whole entire diocese. Because remember, our diocese is about we're 104 parishes. And so... If you contribute to the wider fund, that will directly affect 
Catholic Charities and St. Vincent de Paul. And they're on the front lines through different ministries. And, but if you want your funds to stay here, just mark it on your checks. Say, you know, a fire relief fund for our parish. Essentially, what we set up was that we set up a committee in the parish where our priority will be directly to help families that have directly lost their homes. So a family has, has lost their home, we'll set up funds and we have a vetting process. We'll do our due diligence and we'll, we'll directly financially help families that have had their homes burned. And I figured that would be the priority. If you've lost your home and you guys, you guys know this, again, let us know and then to add to the list so that we can help families directly. So that's kind of the goal. So again, two ways if you want to contribute to the wider fire relief fund that the whole entire diocese is doing. Just mark it somehow, and so that way we can designate where it's going to go. And I want to honor your intentions for that. Again, thank you so much. Again, as I mentioned last Sunday, the stories that the evacuees are telling me, are, it's, that's absolutely heartbreaking. And so whatever we can do, it'll, it'll help. So again, thank you. For the, the support has been amazing, by the way. So praise the Lord. But let's dive into these readings today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you talk to a priest who does exorcism, there's a, there's a common theme that they always bring up. And in my own personal experience of participating in any exorcism ministry, it's always, it's, I found this to be true. So remember, whenever, it's not, it's not like the movies. When we think of exorcism, we think of the movie, The Exorcist. Voted the most scariest movie of all time. Don't watch it at night, by the way. It's still scary, right? So it's not as dramatic as that. Right? It's actually more mundane. And it's never just one pivotal exorcism, right? But rather it takes a whole, it's a whole series of, of, uh, of prayers to alleviate this person who's possessed. So think about it. person's always in the room. And there's, again, remember, there's always a team behind the priest, usually. There's always a team, man, who will participate. People who are devoutly Catholic, strong in their faith, very prayerful. And they're always in the background praying the rosary oftentimes. And the priest is always the one who's only designated to engage the person that's possessed. Only that person, only the priest is designated. Nobody else talks to the person who's possessed. Nobody. Just the priest. Boom. Guess whose name, by the way, gets the strongest reaction? other than our Lord himself. You guys probably already know. And whenever this name is invoked, oh, how they seethe, how they, they freak out. You, you hear comments, again, ask any exorcist throughout the world, again, whether, whatever country we're in, it's always the same phenomenon. You invoke this name, they scream out. Stop saying her name. Don't say that name. Stop that prayer. Don't freak out like that. I remember one time this uh, particular person said, Oh no, she's here. We're talking about the woman whom the church honors this day, the most painted woman in human history. Remember, nobody's been painted as much as this beautiful woman, our Blessed Mother. Especially not Catholics will say to us, oh, you Catholics, I'm sure many of you have always heard this criticism. Oh, you worship Mary, don't you, you Catholics? You worship her. And what do we respond to that? Of course we don't. But we do honor, and, and I get the criticism, right? Because we see we have beautiful statues of our Blessed Mother 
you walk into our church, you see beautiful stained glass windows. I mean, our churches have been named after her for over 1,500 years. And so when the non-Catholics criticize us, I was like, all right, I get, I get it. I get it. But we do not worship her. So whatever everybody asks you that, say, no, we worship only the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We honor Mary. Why? There was nobody on earth as privileged than her. She would be the one tasked to give the very human nature, the flesh of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. It would be through her that humanity and divinity would be united in her amazing womb. Preserved from all stain of original sin because, again, remember, Mary would give Jesus his flesh. Mary, who would raise our Lord. And again, nobody on earth had such a unique relationship to Jesus than her. Mary changed God's diapers. You realize that? Think about that. Mary changed our Lord's diapers. And again, everybody in here knows you change someone's diapers, a new bond will form between you two, (laughs) especially between mother and child. Mary held up from the very beginning as how to live the Christian life. From the very beginning, we look to her saying, how do I become an amazing Christian? How do I become the best disciple of Jesus Christ I can be? You want to know how? Be like Mary. In the first reading today from the book of Revelation, it reads, A sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon beneath her feet, on her head a crown of twelve stars. Who is that? This woman with the crown of twelve stars, whose child now will be born, Give birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule the nations with an iron rod. Who is that? It's utterly clear from the very beginning when Christians heard this reading. This woman was the Blessed Mother. This child was our Lord. And then who's the third character in the first reading? The dragon, seven heads and ten horns on its head with seven diadems. This dragon who stood before the woman about to give birth to devour her child. This dragon who would now, as the reading continues, we don't have the the full chapter in in the reading today. But the dragon, it said, that would now do war with the children. Who's that? You and me. When was the last time, by the way, you heard of, of when scripture speaks about a woman? And a dragon. Do you guys remember another time in sacred scripture when those two characters appear again? There's a parallel. Church saw this in the early early days. And the connection was clear. Go back to the Garden of Eden. I'll read this for you. There was a serpent. In other words, dragon. Dragon serpent. Inchangeable. There was a serpent who was more crafty than other wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, 
Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? A woman, Eve, speaking to the serpent, the devil. And the devil entices her with what will now be the lie which cuts through every single human heart. This lie is embedded in all of our souls. This lie is at the heart of every sin that you and I have ever committed or battled with. This lie is the reason our world is messed up. The serpent says to the woman, did God really say not to eat of the fruit? And the woman explains to the serpents, we may eat of anything of the tree of the trees in the garden, but God said, do not eat from this one. Then notice this next lie. You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So at that moment, what the serpent, what the devil just planted within the human mind for the first time was that God is holding back from you. That if you truly want to flourish, you want to be happy, you must reject him now. Because his laws and his ways are suffocating you. He's holding back from you and me. So in order to be free, I must reject his ways. Does that sound familiar to you and me? Again, fellow sinners, notice the, the, the dynamic of your heart when we choose evil. Oh, and how we know when we break the commandments. We know what we're doing wrong. Notice what ha what's happening in your heart. Again, be curious about the why you do the things you do. Be curious. Our world says numb yourself, right? The world says, just, just, just do whatever you want to do. Don't think any more deeper. Just kind of live on the surface of yourself. Oh, not the Christian. We get deep. <laughs> we bring everything out into the light. Why do I commit sin when I know it's wrong? Think of the Ten Commandments. You shall love the Lord your God, have no gods above you, above him. Don't worship any idols. Go to Mass on Sunday, as Christians, right? Honor the Sabbath. Honor your mother and father. Don't lie, don't steal, don't commit murder, don't covet your neighbor's wife, don't covet your neighbor's goods. We know the commandments. Have you broken any of them? Absolutely we have. We choose it, why? Because notice this next slide that happens. When I choose something that we know that is, that's wrong, what's happening in my heart and my mind is, no, I must steal. I must commit lust. I must not go to Mass on Sunday, why? Because I know God wants me to do all of those things. But I will reject that because in order for me to be happy, I must do this and reject the Lord. Do you see the echo of the serpent's voice in every single sin? You see, the beauty of, our, of Western civilization, of a Judeo-Christian civilization, you know what it was built upon? It was a primacy of God. That is why you, you, you go to Europe today, you go where the church is old. What is always the tallest building in our Christian cities. What was built on the highest part of our cities? It was always the church. It was always the center. Our entire calendar was built upon it. Even though our world is trying to replace before Christ, 
and AD Anno Domino, the year of the Lord, with what? That boring language of CE and BCE. What is that? Trying to erase the Lord. Our entire calendar revolves around the faith, by the way. Our entire civilization was built upon the primacy of God. Our current predicament is a rejection of that. Is God important or not? The whisper is, no, he's not. Because if you want to be free, you must reject him. And our civilization is currently doing that. To be flourished, to be free, you must especially throw off the yoke of Catholicism. Because we're the big boy on the block. We must reject him. Again, that's why, as I've, as I've preached in years past, whenever any totalitarian regime tries to enter into, especially as a Catholic nation, what do they always target first? Us. Us. Because they know. Destroy the foundation of Western civilization. You don't need him. And what takes its place? The human ego. And once the ego takes its place, might equals right. Enter every dictator we've ever had. God must be rejected in order for us to be free. Now enter our blessed mother. Why the evil one seethes with hatred for her. Notice when the angel Gabriel first appears to her, tell her that she would become pregnant with, with the Lord. What does Mary say? Let it be done unto me according to thy word. Now when she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and she visits her and says that the child leaped in her womb when, because Elizabeth is also pregnant, she heard Mary's voice in, in, in her womb. By the way, side note, who was in Elizabeth's womb? You remember who? John the Baptist. A side note. But notice the response after that powerful encounter between Elizabeth and Mary. And this is the heart. So much so that this prayer that I'm about to read Mary's response, every nun, every monk, every Catholic priest prays this every evening. It's part of our prayer routine. I can memorize, I can say this in and out. We've, we've memorized, especially if you've been praying for, for a long time. Ask yourself, why, why does the church require us to pray this prayer every single evening? Because notice the response of Mary. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And he has looked on his lowly servants. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. And she continues. The Almighty has done great things for me has mercy on those who fear him, shown strength in his arms, scattered the proud, cast down the mighty from their thrones. Mary, at this moment, she's magnifying what the Lord has done in her heart because what does Mary do? Mary holds nothing back from Jesus Christ. She gives her complete self to him. You see, what does, what does the evil one do? What, what does the evil one entice us to do? Hold back from God. Don't give yourself too much to him. Don't follow all of his laws. No, don't. You want to be free? Reject him. What does Mary do? 
Lord, whatever you want from me, I will do it. And that is why on that cross, who was below the Lord? The very man whom our Lord, who Mary changed his diapers. Mary, who went to the foot of the cross and no matter what, kept on following the Lord, didn't she? Nothing stopped her. No Roman legion, no matter amount of spitting, no matter amount of name calling. Mary humbly just walked with the Lord, kept on going. All Mel Gibson's movie captures this well. There's a powerful scene. This is not a sacred scripture, but Mel Gibson powerfully captures this as the Lord is being scourged. He, he, he does powerfully, he does a, a parallel scene. Mary walking in the crowd. A Lord's being beaten. Satan on the other side of the crowd. They're staring at each other. They're staring at each other. The woman and the dragon again, battling. Mary who gives herself so completely. And Mary would usher in, of course, as we all know, our Lord. Jesus understands the lie that courses through our veins and our hearts and our minds. That is why, remember, for the last three weeks, we've been hearing about the Eucharist, haven't we? What is the Eucharist? This is why the Eucharist cannot be other than what our Lord says it is. The, Lord, the Eucharist is Jesus Christ present, fully present, transforms himself into bread and wine. I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Unless you eat of me, you have no life, our Lord says. What is the Eucharist? It is Jesus Christ confronting the lie. Because the lie is, God is holding back from you. You have to reject God to be free, to be happy. God is your enemy. And what does Jesus say in the Eucharist? He says, oh, humanity, I know you believe that lie about me, but watch this. Pours himself out in the Holy Eucharist to the world. He says in the Holy Eucharist, I am not holding back anything from you. I am not in competition with you. I will lay down my life to you, for you so much so that at every single Catholic Mass, whenever a sinful priest is present, I will allow through his words, transform myself and allow you to eat of me. I will give myself so totally that I will become one with you to the point of where I will allow myself to be rejected by humanity. But I don't care because I will give myself completely. Why? Because the devil tricked us to believe that I am holding back from you. I am not. Oh, Mary, now, why she's the example par excellence? It's because she says, look at me, follow me how to follow our Lord. And so, you and I now come to this point, and I'll end here, I promise. If you and I want to become saints, to become true Christians, just look to Mary. Follow her lead and example. And through her prayers and through her, 
No matter what happens, we'll be like her, stay at the foot of the cross. And when the the devil sees us, Christians, following the example of Mary, then they'll say, Oh, oh, how I hate you. That's the greatest compliment a demon could ever say to you. 